If you want to support our podcast financially, please visit patreon.com slash IIMBSB. Also, email us with questions or ideas at ifimaypodcast at gmail.com. All right, today we get to talk to ADHD expert and coach Dr. Tamara Rosier. She's the author of the book, Your Brain's Not Broken, Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions and Life with ADHD. Welcome to If I May Be So Bold, a podcast about relationships. I'm Dan Epstein, recording artist, Enneagram 4, and ADHDJ. I'm Justin Waring Crane, model, actress, singer, dancer, mathematician. Dr. Tamara Rozier is the founder of the ADHD Center of West Michigan, where she and her staff work with individuals with ADHD and their families to learn strategies and develop new skills to live effectively with ADHD. Dr. Rozier is also the president of the ADHD Coaches Organization. This is really fun for us. We like, we both read your book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's it's really so helpful. And so much of the information is stuff I haven't seen anywhere else. Um, I just kind of because we our podcast is about relationships and we're in a we're a couple. Yep. We thought we thought we could just kind of give you the lay of the land of like where we are with with ADHD so you know kind of like mm-hmm. who you're dealing with. Um, <laughs> who you're dealing with. <laughs> um, so I got my ADHD diagnosis. I got one when I was a kid, but my folks decided it was mild and didn't really treat me in any way. And then I started treating myself probably six years ago. So when Justin and I started dating, Justin didn't have a diagnosis or wasn't thinking of herself as ADHD. And then how long ago did you get yours, Justin? Um, earlier this year. So very recently when I was 31. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting the way we're talking about stuff that comes up through a, a different framework now. And like, I know yeah. Justin can speak to the experience of that yeah. where like <laughs> I sort of got compassion for certain things that maybe when she did similar things early on in our relationship, like being forgetful or um, disorganized. Um, It was kind of like she had no excuse. Right. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It didn't feel fair. I was like, yeah, Dan would be like, yeah, like, you know, like ADHD, not that he was using it as an excuse, but more like, oh, like he has this like valid reason, like he's acting this way. And like, I guess something's just wrong with me because I don't have that reason. But um Yeah. But you're just a loser. Yeah. yeah. I'm just a loser. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So getting the diagnosis for me has like been really validating. Um yeah. and it's been, I mean, it's been a lot of other things. <clears throat> a lot of other things too, because there's just, you know, the grief of like, I wish I had known about this. I wish people had been able to catch this. Like I grew up in the Midwest. I think you're in the Midwest also. Yeah. 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 I grew up in Michigan and Indiana. Me too. Amazing. Yeah. Um, 
So I think like one of the reasons I didn't get diagnosed as a kid, well, one, people didn't know what to look for with girls for one thing. Exactly. Two, like uh, I was outside like all day, every day. So I just got a ton of like the physical and like sensory input that I needed. Well, there's also, there's two, like the layer of, hey, I'm a good girl. Yes. Right. There's also that Midwestern layer of, well, if you just work hard enough, sweetie, you'll do it. Totally. And so you mm-hmm. internalized all those messages to go, all right, all right, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And you learned if you screwed up, it was all you mm-hmm. and you were a bad, bad person. Yes. Yes. And I was able to follow the rules, you know, because I was such an internalizer. So I would just push all the stress down inside and I could perform on the outside Mm. for the most part. Um, and I, I, I work with parents and, you know, I'm an occupational therapist for my, for my day job, but, um, there's this, I don't know what he is, psychologist, parenting expert. I don't know, Ross Green, but he talks about how there's like the lucky ones and the unlucky ones of like kids yep. who can perform and like follow the rules and stay in the lines. Those are like the lucky ones and the unlucky ones are like, yeah. they can't, and they're acting out and they're explosive and all that. So I was one of the lucky ones in that sense, but. Well, uh, yeah. And <clears throat> except you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. what you did and, and, you know, you already referenced that you read my book. So you understand when you got to the chapter about the five bad tools, mm-hmm. you saw yourself in all those probably. Yes. Yeah. 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 You, you just pay later, you know, it's like, and then it's like so much stress and anxiety as an adult, Yeah, you know, that starts to come up and yeah, it's like, I felt like my symptoms got like so much worse, like as I got older. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But just yeah. all the shame you carried all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah that that was one of the things in your book which your book which is wonderful it's called your brain's not broken is you advocate for unmasking you know like not trying to keep up an appearance of of being just like a normal functional adult (laughs) and that it's (laughs) actually you know that takes a toll on people yeah um how did you come to that like like can you talk about what led you to really like having clarity around that yeah. Uh, well, first of all, like any ADHD story or person, I'm going to tell a story from the inside out. So I'll start in one place and kind of end up in another. But I really wrote the book to people just like Justin, just to kind of go, dear Justin, your brain's not broken. And, you know, you too, Dan, I'm not leaving you out of it, but thank you. kind of that hard, yeah, that hardship of I've been carrying this all along and this is very heavy. And even like Dan, you said, you know, I've known I've had ADHD for quite a while. I, you've carried it with you. It's a heavy burden to carry. And there's a lot of people who are carrying this and we just, we look normal. Like we walk amongst the mortals looking normal except we know we're not. And we're always kind of like either a step behind or on the outside looking in. And that's how I felt most of my life. Uh, You know, I know I have a PhD, but I just assumed I wasn't that smart. And, you know, still someone will say, you know, I'm in my 50s for heaven's sakes. I should be okay. 
And yet still the ADHD is like, you know, you're not as good as other adults. And that's the weight, that's part of the weight we carry. And so um, it's, it's not just a simple comparison. We're given feedback from society that we're not okay. Um, if we live in a Western society, people are looking at us like, really, you can't work a calendar? Just set a reminder or <laughs> just do this. <laughs> so I, I really wrote the book because I watch so many of my clients struggle. I mean, these are incredibly beautiful humans. And I wish they could see that they were beautiful and, and they weren't yeah. broken. And I think you can, I think ADHD people and, and anybody like really can see it in other people, you know, like the way in a movie, if a, if a character is being treated <laughs> like a failure, the main character is like, yeah. everyone is shitting on this person, like, yeah. treating like a failure, like, oh, and I, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, Dan, will you talk about how you um, sort of reacted to your ADHD when you were, you know, because of the experiences you had in childhood? Yeah, so I did very much grow up with this sense of being a failure at these little things. Um, my backpack at, in middle school was just oh, gosh. scraps and dirt, shame. Yeah. dirt and crackers <laughs> and like... You know, like a stew in there. Um, and just, I would lose things. Like I lost a boogie board once and I felt like such an idiot. It's like so yeah. big and I somehow lost it. I'm sorry for laughing, <laughs> no, but please. you're my people. Like, yes. Like, I also, is, how, how would you lose that? You're I like, also oh, lost what? a boogie board <laughs> Wait, what? Really? Well, I lost it in the surf because the, the waves were so crazy. But I think my impulsivity in my 20s, you know, my mm. 20s before my, you know, um, frontal lobe was like fully there was really heightened. Mm. And I like just thought I'm going to like go look really cool, like doing this boogie board and these like really rough waves. And it was like gone in two seconds. So yeah, <laughs> different way of losing it yeah. probably than you, but no, but I it's felt still, bad about it. you know, we share that. It's still failure. <laughs> It's still a boogie right? board. Yeah. It's still a boogie board. And it still represents it <laughs> yeah, failure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, so when I eventually started living by myself, because I was in a, a a romantic relationship for a long time in my 20s, but I, you know, it was very much everything was on me in terms of keeping my life afloat. And I developed this like hypervigilance which I think maybe you would refer to as like relying on the limbic system, of like sort of living in yeah. stress and paranoia yeah. and hypervigilance. So, um, gosh, there's, this is, there's so much here in terms of our Justin and my dynamic, because I, I, um, I get triggered by her. Um, yes. being forgetful in these ways. I, that, I didn't you know, mean to sound excited. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something you've experienced in relationships specifically? So I was just writing about this. Um, I'm working on my next manuscript and it's about relationships, familial relationships. And I was just writing about, hey, first we have to get our nervous system regulated because if we're not regulated, we're going to keep getting hyper aroused or hypo aroused by the ADHD family members around us. 
And because families need to understand that nervous systems talk to each other. And if you have an ADHD nervous system, man, we just hone in on each other. And let's say one of you is in a pissy mood and the other is like, well, I can out pissy you in this. And you start to kind of bicker. I mean, my husband, I would never do this, but let's just pretend I know a friend who last night at dinner, um, I, I asked my husband a question and I don't like the way he answered me. I, I'm like, why, why do you have to be like that? <laughs> and I didn't say that instead of saying that I just said, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then <laughs> we weren't even communicating well. And my neurotypical daughter was having dinner with us. And she looked at us because she's oddly mature for her age and said, you both are being very silly right now because we weren't really fighting. We were ADHD bickering, Mm. which means here's the definition of ADHD bickering. Tons of emotion, no content. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to reflect to like, if we do that, I definitely think we do that and it's, I'm going to now be on the lookout for it, but I really like that definition. I think that's so <laughs> well, I was good. getting irritated at him. And then he was kind of being, I thought he was just being smug. But he, I mean, we're both in a very busy part of our lives right now. And we were just responding. Emotion, emotion, emotion. Absolutely nothing. There was nothing that we were talking about. And just just for background, so you have ADHD. Your your husband also has ADHD. Yes, yeah. And your daughter does not. Uh, my youngest daughter doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, for those of you who are listening, ADHD is highly hereditary. That should be genetically impossible. Except, um, I'm remarried, and mm-hmm. so, um, the first time I married a neurotypical, which got mm. the normal kid. Mm. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say normal. I said it sarcastically. Yeah. Um, and you guys can't, your listeners can't see that. I meant it sarcastically <laughs> in my face, but um, I got sure. the neurotypical kid. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but I have four girls and uh, three of them have ADHD. Wow. And then the youngest doesn't. She is like our little adult mm. and she's always been outperforming all of those ADHD adults in her mm. life. Mm. Oh. Wow. Yeah. We, I, I know you talk about this in the book, but for the listeners, will you talk a little bit about what that's like to have, to be parenting like that, you know, to be parenting, <laughs> you know, having this yeah. neurotypical kid and then, you know, neurodivergent kids. What is that like for you? Well, so in fact, I'm I'm really trying to sort this out in the next book, and I'm really I, again, guys, I'm still in the middle of the manuscript, so I'm mm. you know still playing with ideas, but I'm really trying to sort this out because in families we have haves and have-nots, and we really need to understand who are the neurodivergent and who are the neurotypicals. So in our family, we're very aware of it. Um, because now uh, my oldest 
to I have a um, biological 30-year-old and a step 30-year-old. And they both married neurotypicals. And it's like a magical thing when you do that, guys. Um, your car, you know, they clean your car for you. <laughs> they help you think through some details. Um, one of my daughters is getting married next summer. She's marrying an ADHD person. She understands that she's alone in, in keeping her own car clean. And we actually have these discussions. And we kind of talk about it all kind of tongue in cheek. We have these discussions. So what this looks like, though, is when we all took a trip to Florida, we were staying on an island, we had to do all the shopping for the entire week, and literally put it on a ferry. And so we divided our group into two teams. And we put the, my husband goes to Costco because he's a Costco master. And who do you want with him? He took uh, my oldest stepdaughter, they think a lot alike. We divided the list, like, who are the neurotypicals who are going to do the best with this list? And we're very aware of when we're not choosing teams, but of people's strengths. And we honor people's strengths, but we also are very aware of our weaknesses. Mm. So there's some of us, we're like, hey, um, let's just check what time we actually have to leave for the airport with a neurotypical person. (laughs) Because I don't know if you know this, but ADHD people, we have magical thinking time. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. It should only take us 15 minutes to get to the airport, <laughs> even though that's never been a real thing. Yeah. So um, yeah. when we parent um, our um, neurodivergent kids and neurotypical kids, we're always talking about, hey, here's your strength. And I, all my kids are talented. All my kids are smart. But let me tell you, some of my kids are really bad at time management, meaning Mm -hmm. literally understanding the time space continuum. Mm -hmm. And so we don't put them in charge of that. Mm. Um, Things like that. Now, no one gets a buy for having ADHD. Like, oh, my room's a mess. I have ADHD. Yeah. Like, no, how are we going to clean your room in ADHD friendly way? I love that. I love that. It's just, it's such a great lens to have on like, like we can be strategic because we know these people have these strengths. These people have these strengths. We can use that to decide who does what, who's responsible for what. I absolutely hate going to the grocery store. I feel like as long as I'm with Dan, I'll like never have to set foot in another grocery store. It's amazing. Like, and I love you for way more than just like what you provide for me, Dan, obviously, but it's just such a load off of me to be like, he does all the grocery shopping and all the cooking. And I'm like, Yay. <laughs> okay. I am I so with you stuff. on that. My husband, um, I call it hunting and gathering. He hunts and gathers yes, for the family. We call that, that <laughs> and I, I would cry if I had to hunt and gather for the family. I know. I, know like, we, I do other things, right? <laughs> He'll go get like a Gatorade from the gas station and like, he hunted tree. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he brought back this kill. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I'm having so much fun with this conversation. I feel like, yeah, like with the leaving, like the time blindness stuff, when you know, it's such a blessing to know when, what you're not good at, you know, because right. then you're like, okay, like I'm not good at this. I'm going to add like an, like every step of the process when I'm figuring out when I need to leave for the airport, I'm going to assume everything is going to take like a half an hour longer 
than I think it will take. And then it's like, we're there really early. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> you know. Right. But, well, another technique you can do when you have a neurotypical in your family, you can borrow their prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. And you can go, hey, here's my plan for leaving for the airport. Let me just run it by your neural um, network and see what you think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have, you know, two neurotypical son-in-laws. And uh, one time I did say, hey, I'm, <laughs> this sounds like a, a math problem. <clears throat> I'm leaving from Grand Rapids at this time. And I need to get to Michigan City by this time to take the train to Chicago. Uh, what time do, and there's a time change in there um from Ooh, eastern oh, to central i just blacked right? out i just flatlined yeah. <laughs> yeah no no time changes for me <laughs> right and so i ran it all by him and i said so adam what do you think should i leave at this time and when adam was first in our family he's like yeah that checks out and i forgot to tell him that i was borrowing his prefrontal cortex until his wife started laughing he said oh this is something we do in our family she just borrowed your brain just for a quick second to do this math. Wow. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Because he, he's like, why is this grown-ass woman running <laughs> her travel so plans by me? <laughs> um, but once he, he got into our family, he just realized that's something we do. Mm-hmm. We just, yeah. um, travel time is very complicated math. And mm-hmm. so, <laughs> so we yes. just run it by people. We still take responsibility, right? I still had to get myself to Michigan City to meet the train. Right. right. But yeah. why not ask for help? Time is such a weird one. Like I have this experience with time where it really stresses me out both directions. Like having too much time and not having enough time. And I find like especially if there's like a window of like 15 minutes yep. between things, it's like that is when I am my most like phone obsessed like dissociate dissociate um is that something what is that (laughs) what's up with that oh okay so you know for your listeners i think your listeners know the idea of the prefrontal cortex right this is the part of the part of the brain where for adhd people don't have reliable access to this organizational part of the brain which is terribly unfortunate because it's a great modern amenity And which means it tells us what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Well, also in that part of the brain is our understanding of how time works. And it's like having an internal watch inside your head. Well, Mm -hmm. we don't have it. And what, Dan, what you just described is I have all these feelings about time. And sometimes they just implode in my head Mm -hmm. because that's all you're left with. You can't tell time like a neurotypical person because you don't, you're lacking that internal watch. And so without the internal watch, you're like, I don't know what 15 minutes is. And you just, you, you hypo, Mm. um, go to hypo arousal and kind of downshift. But the thing is, Dan, he actually, I think has outsourced this to his Mm. limbic system. And so he, he has like a crazy accurate sense of like what time it is at any time without looking at his, his clock or like, has it been 15 minutes? Has it been five minutes? He knows he has like a really good sense of that, but I think it's coming from stress. (laughs) Okay. I I love that you added that. I think that's a brilliant, um, ADHD people can do this. You don't have reliable access, but because you turned up the stress so high, 
this primitive part of your brain that's mm. like, hey, we need to pay attention to this because maybe a bear is going to chase us at this time, or we need to go hunting for a deer at this time. So your your brain just turns on into this primitive state. And it's stressful. You know, other people yeah. just tell time. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Like, what is the what is the danger of relying on your limbic system? Oh, one, it's exhausting. Yeah. So uh, let's let's go back to the prefrontal cortex. Tells you what to do, how to do it, when to do it. And when we don't have reliable access to those three answers, we go back to our limbic system. And instead, we're all like method actors. What's my motivation? What's my motivation here? And we can't figure out what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And Mm. so we go to emotions. We outsource everything to the emotions. You know what? I'm going to do this because I'm angry. In fact, I passed a lot of statistical courses in my graduate school because I was just angry at the professor. (laughs) Spite worked. I did very well. What was my reason? There was nothing in my prefrontal cortex that said, hey, just learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, I'm going to learn it because I'm some 1980s movie about sticking it to the man. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Oh, by the way, joke's on me. I learned stats. (laughs) (laughs) But that's great. You had had to do it. You had to figure out a way that was going to work for you to do it. And it's like, I think that's a really cool thing in some ways that's like we... We just very intuitively figure out these workarounds for ourselves. And yeah, maybe there's consequences down the line, but. Well, that's the problem, actually, because there are consequences. And, you know, and by the way, I was working on a dissertation, my whole graduate study, untreated. So I just kept doing the let's work harder. Wow. Not understanding the whole limbic center kind of stuff. That research just wasn't available to us. And so I was using all these emotional things. Um, I did something where it I wrote my dissertation in about seven and a half months. It normally takes people like a year and a half. Do you hear the ADHD trick there? Yeah. I'm going to do it super duper fast. Yeah, And I, I didn't do anything but eat, sleep, and parent my kids and just got it done. Well, I did work full time, but you know what I mean? It was just, I was in hyper arousal the entire yeah. time. Right. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened afterwards. My body's like, hey, B, we don't like that. <laughs> and now we will punish you. And a lot of systems went down after that. Yeah. Yeah. There's so a cost. There, there was definitely a cost. So for all the ADHD listeners you have, I, I just wanted to say like, ADHD people are brilliant. I mean, we can MacGyver anything, just anything. But what we're not good at is understanding there's a cost to that MacGyvery. And the cost is usually physical, Mm. or it could be relational, or it could damage our kind of personal relationship, like relationship with ourselves. Totally. I'm thinking about times with work where I... 
so just dreaded and hated and still fall into this sometimes like anything to do with working on the weekend. So like email on the weekend or just like any kind of prep prep or like admin stuff for work. I just would not do it. And I just, and then I would just be dreading it the whole time. And then like, you know, I would get through my week, but it would sort of be like the seat of the pants way of getting by And like, I was sort of squeaking by and like, it just, but I was so stressed and it was actually so much easier to start doing a little bit of work and like checking the email and like not letting it hang over me. But there was this feeling of like, I'm succumbing to the man if I'm working on the weekend. And yeah. Okay. So Mm. I, I have a lot of clients who do this. So I will say, you know, Hey, it sounds like you're getting backed up at work. Could you work just a couple hours? And they're like, absolutely not. That is my me time. I'm like, cool story, bro. But you're <laughs> you're hanging yourself up for the next week. So do you want to make that choice? And it's almost like this belief system. I, like you refer to like, oh, I'm giving in to the man. It's this solid belief system of I'm, I am refusing to give one more ounce of myself. And, and it it's hard because the truth is, those of us with ADHD, we have to work harder. Um, I had a client today say, why do I always have to work so hard? I mean, because you chose to go to law school with ADHD. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a fact. Like, mm-hmm. if you put us in a hunting gathering situation, we'll probably outperform. But in a modern world mm-hmm. with boring tasks, other people have an advantage. Mm-hmm. I heard you say mm-hmm. on on the other podcast, I heard you on that when you were writing your, when you were getting your PhD, like your inner critic, you had to like, you said you had to knock your inner critic out every time you, to do the work yeah. um, in terms of like there being a cost and you were advocating for being in relationship with the critic in a, in a compassionate way as like a more sustainable it's interesting when i was writing my dissertation oh my gosh i mean it yeah i I think um i i I would go for a run at night and there was a steep hill uh, where we lived and i would run up the hill and tears running down like you're not going to beat me today my inner critic Mm. is named kelvin you're not beating (laughs) me today kelvin not today And I, you know, I'd be crying and I mean, it was a total, it's embarrassing. It's a whole catharsis, right? I'm like, not today. Yeah. And then I'd get home and I'd write a little bit. And because he was always there tapping me going, you know, this sucks and you suck too. (laughs) So now it's so interesting working on the second manuscript. I still have critical Kelvin. Mm -hmm. He still pops on my shoulder and goes, Hey. I'm pretty sure this book's going to fail. And I'd say, well, then give me some feedback to help me not. Mm -hmm. And then if he doesn't have anything, then I'm like, maybe you should just be quiet for a little bit. Let me know if you have something. I don't, I don't hate him anymore. I don't punish Mm -hmm. him. Hey, the guy's just trying to help me out. And by the way, yes, I have male internal voices. I don't, I don't know how all that works, but Mm. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, I talked to my ADHD monkeys and critical Kelvin is one of them. So, so you've supported a lot of people with ADHD. Um, 
I'm curious if you'll bite on this question or not. <laughs> uh, but okay. seeing how seeing how our relation our podcast is about relationships, what are the qualities if you were like um, advising your ADHD clients on who what type of partner to choose? What are the qualities that you would advise them strictly against mm-hmm. uh, in terms of like the types of yeah qualities in a partner? First, I've never been asked this. Second, totally love this question because as an ADHD coach, I get into people's romantic lives all the time. Mm, great. Um, I, because ADHD touches every little nuance. So what I do is um, I don't think anyone can marry anyone of any personality. Okay. We just have to understand every personality has a downside. Um and so we just have to be able, eyes wide open, that has a downside. So everything, every great thing you see in that partner, potential partner also has a downside. Let's just be honest about it because ADHD people tend not to be honest when they look at the downside, right? So I help them that um, prepare for that. But then I help them, there's two characteristics that I say, I think you want to avoid at all costs. And one is a rigid, cold, and any personality can have this, but there's a rigid coldness to the person where you cannot please this person. And I always say that that is not worth your heart at all because all ADHD people are sensitive, whether we show it or not, we're all Mm -hmm. super sensitive, We're, we're very aware of other people's facial uh, and sometimes some of us, because of the ADHD home we are brought up in, might have been chaos because of the ADHD. We might be drawn towards those cold, rigid people, right? Sure. Whoops. Yeah. So you can see the problem. So we're drawn to it like, oh, this person's calm, finally. And then we find that we like to connect on a sense of empathy. And if that cold person, and, you know, having compassion on the cold person, they probably have their own journey, but you don't have to get involved in it. The second characteristic I always warn my clients about um, is true narcissism. So I know narcissist is like a word we throw around and I hate it mm-hmm. because we have to be very careful. There are true narcissists out there. And guess what? ADHD people were low-hanging fruit for them. We're eager to please people. We love big. And we want to be big helpers to people we love. And a, a true narcissist will go, gobble, gobble, gobble. That's great. Give me more. And yeah. so those are the two that I just say, hey, here's what I'm hearing. You know, if someone's describing, here's what I'm hearing. Um, do you, are you interested in exploring this farther? Yeah, that makes total sense. But, but the person doesn't have to be a narcissist, just that cold yeah. person. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. Where yeah. it's never, it's never enough. And yes. like, I'm going to never let it be enough to keep you working hard. Right. Kind of thing. But if you have a critic that's saying the same thing, it's so tempting to want to mm-hmm. go towards that person because it's like, maybe yeah. this time, like I'll finally please them and it will mm-hmm. be enough, you know? And they seem better than me. So if I can get with them, like that means I'm good, you know. Yep. Like a moth to a flame. So 
We have to be really careful when we love, we love big. And we have to be careful in choosing who we love and make sure the person, we have high standards for the people we love. Yeah. I love that. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about um, the certain qualities in your relationship with your husband where it's like, and it's like an ADHD thing and you're like, gosh, I just love that about you. And then the things that are also ADHD things, well, it's like the opposite side of the same coin, right? Where you're like, God, this drives me crazy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yay. So first of all, my husband truly is my best friend, which means I fight with him like he's my best friend. You know what I mean? Like, oh, for crying out loud, right? But he's truly my best friend. And the thing I love is he and I both have strong personalities. And if we make a decision because of our strong personality, if we decide to link arm, heaven help the world, it's happening. <laughs> I like that. The funny thing is we're both t- two dumb ADHD kids. And so sometimes we make great decisions and sometimes we make the dumbest decisions. So here's an example about a dumb decision. We're driving down the highway. We're getting kind of hungry. And we go, we see this restaurant. There's one of those buffet restaurants that we remember from when we were a child. And I'm like, hey, remember, I used to go to that as a kid. And he grew up in Indiana. He's like, I think it. These were what, in Indiana. What was it? Too. Ponderosa. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so we're like taking this trip down memory lane. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's go and eat. We're walking in and he and I are looking at each other. Exchanging looks like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. We go in, we have a whole meal. It's, we, we ended up, it didn't hit us right. Oh, that no. was a, okay. But he's still my best friend. And we make dumb decisions like that. Yeah. A great decision is uh, right kind of during COVID. Uh, we weren't looking for a house um, because we were happy. We hadn't even talked about moving. Uh, our youngest daughter was graduating from high school and our kids are like, ah, we think you guys should move. And we're like, okay, whatever. We're not going to, we're not listening to you guys. And this house came on a market and I just said, Tom, this is our house and let's go for this house. And the housing market was really competitive and it meant a move to about 45 minutes North of us. And he and I, for some reason, just like it was Ponderosa, we aligned and it was a great decision. <laughs> this house is on a lake. It has a pool. Mm-hmm. We are so incredibly happy here. Mm-hmm. And so we either make these Ponderosa decisions together or the house right. decision. Mm-hmm. And so we understand that power in us. Mm-hmm. And we kind of giggle like, <laughs> man, sometimes we're good. We're really good. Yes. Sometimes when we're stupid, we're really stupid yes. together. It can be wielded <laughs> for good or for evil. Yeah. Yeah. And we just have to like, especially when both our ADHD minds align and go, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) That's like dangerous. Um, If one of us isn't going, uh, let's stop. Should we be eating at Ponderosa? (laughs) Right. So um, the other thing I absolutely love is we have grace for each other. Um, (laughs) I want okay. Of course, my ADHD symptoms are not his. Mine are delightful. His aren't. <laughs> right. And so I will watch him. He will hold a cup, of, like say, um, a coffee or something, and have a bowl of berries in one hand, 
but then look at the cupboard and want to open it, he'll just drop <laughs> one of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I just die oh laughing every time. I've never now, seen that. <laughs> That's so funny. Like, and he's done it more than once. And I will be on the floor just rolling because I'm like, your ADHD, like, I want something in there. Yeah. And I don't want to. (laughs) Must reach hand, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, (laughs) and you can see the quick ADHD impulsiveness in it. (laughs) Excuse me. Which one did he drop? um, The berries. Okay. Good choice. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, So I just love that about our relationship. I love that we celebrate getting the trash out. Mm. I love that we celebrate, like, uh, my daughter and I just cleaned out the garage and, like, you know, really took the sprayer to it and really cleaned it out. And we're all celebrating it. Like, this is a huge achievement. Look how clean Mm. it is. We celebrate the small things a lot. Because they're not small. Wow. Yeah. I think with Justin and I, we very much do find the humor in, like, we call them bungles, like ADHD bungles. But I don't know if we celebrate the small stuff like that. One of the the bungles, it was like the first time that I was exposed to it because Dan and I started dating the beginning of COVID. Um, and so everyone was ordering their groceries online. And so Dan would think he got like three apples, you know, clicking, clicking, clicking. And it was like three bags of apples, yeah. you know, it's like, I guess we have like yeah. 20 apples. You Every know? time I did an order, there was a bungle. A D-Lu bungle. Yeah. A Dan, yeah. Dan Lewis Epstein bungle. But you, I love it. You have a name for it and you mm-hmm. laugh about it. Mm-hmm. Like Dan's yeah. not a big fat idiot. Right. No. I mean, <laughs> we just, is. we do that too. We just kind of have this like, well, Here's what I thought, and here was yeah. reality. And it's kind of a funny misfit. Yeah. I yeah. love that. I love, I think too, it's like that wishful thinking. I just feel like us ADHDers, we, yes, we have the wishful and magical thinking. And I think it also makes us like beautiful optimists too, in some ways. Like I'm Eternal, always yeah. just like, there's a silver lining here. Like this is actually good, you know, or like, like this, it could work, you know, and sometimes, you know, I end up trying things that maybe an, a non-ADHD person wouldn't try because they would say like, yeah, it's probably not going to work. And then of course, yeah. plenty of times I do something and it doesn't work. And anyone else could yep. have said like, I could have told you that wasn't going to work, you know? Uh, so. I I love that because you know what it is? It's our ADHD audacity. Mm. We have audacity because we don't have our prefrontal cortex is working to go, Hey, let's just run this through a couple screens. Yeah. And so there was a part of Tamara that said, Hey, how about you write a book? And ADHD audacity went, yeah, that sounds good to us. Yeah. No one said, Hey, have you ever written a book before? Should you consider this? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works out. Yeah. And then other times I end up at Ponderosa. Mm. <laughs> yeah. We we have our fridge organized in a oh. like ADHD way, uh, which maybe other listeners are interested in. But um, the fridge, I just want to say, is like um, that is hell to me. The fridge is hell. I never want to open it. If it gets too full, it's like I have to schedule like a therapy session around like I had to open the fridge, you know, and like let's process. But um, I am with <laughs> you. And what's with cutting up veggies? Why is this so hard for me? Oh, I hate like, that. 
yeah. All of it. Yeah. Instant flatline. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry Instant. for interrupting. No, no. But that's another thing. It's like the interrupting. It's like, uh, you know, Dan would interrupt me, you know, earlier in our relationship and I kind of interrupt him too, but I'm trying not to. But, uh, I just, I told him, I was like, you can't interrupt me. I'm sorry. Like, I know it's like probably like just like an ADHD thing. And so, but it like was really, it was really triggering for me. So, um, I do want to talk about, I'm like bookmarking all these things in my brain, but I want to talk about, yeah, just like other things couples come up against with ADHD where one or both has ADHD. Um, and then another thing I noticed, and I don't know if this is related to ADHD is maybe this is part of the wishful thinking is like, I've recently realized that I might know all these strategies that help me with like nervous system regulation or like doing like a very simple task, like sending an email or scheduling a doctor's appointment. And so therefore, like, I don't allow myself to use a strategy because I just don't want to need the strategy. I think I shouldn't need it. And so I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like I need the strategy (laughs) and I just need it. I need what I need. Right. And we forget to use the strategy Mm -hmm. too. Yes. We'll forget. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just going back to the communication of couples, we have to acknowledge that we have quirky communications and it's like you said, well, Dan interrupting me was triggering. But Dan could have the same response to you, like, or be okay with interrupting. And so working it out so that asking Dan not to interrupt you, well, good luck with that. Because he's trying to hold a thought. Yeah. And so so I what I ask couples to think about is can we kind of signal each other on how to communicate? Here's a here's a silly example. My husband would come in and tell me a story. And the whole time I'm listening, I'm like, I don't know why I'm listening to this. <laughs> and I like I get to the end, I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do with this? And he's like, nothing. That was a funny story. I'm like, one, it's not funny. Two, what the heck? So so now we have a cue where he's like, Hey, Tamara, I've got an amusing anecdote for you. <laughs> That means all I have to do is listen, sit back, listen for the, so I'm not interrupting (laughs) because sometimes I'll interrupt trying to figure out what I want to do with this information. Me too. And it drives Dan crazy. Mm -hmm. I do this thing where I'm like trying to get all the details where I'm like, who said that? Like, where were you guys? Cause I'm like, I'm looking for like, what's important here. And he's like, I'm getting to it, you know? Right. It drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So, but if you label it ahead of time, I know what to do as a listener. Mm. Oh, sit back, enjoy the ride. This isn't probably going to be that interesting, but that's okay. <laughs> He's sharing his life. Um, just the other day, uh, by the way, we have our best talks. We have a hot tub. We have our best talks in the hot tub. That's where two ADHD kids can just chill and talk. And it, it's our best communication. But he, he's been very busy at work and there's times he won't tell me like important things. Like last Saturday, one of our daughters was coming up, uh, my oldest stepdaughter, and she was going to bring some food with her. And I'm like, great. I didn't really know that she was coming over and I didn't know she was bringing pretty much a meal. And so we were talking, I'm like, Hey, I'm not saying stop the anecdotes. I'm saying, could you have a commercial break for 
And now here's something Tamara needs to know. And we were laughing, like, you know, just, and so the other day, um, he just said, and now here's something Tamara needs to know. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And so it, for a second, That's I cute. tuned in, he was communicating, he goes, and he, in honesty, he was like, I tried to, I tried to tell you, but there's so many things going on in my mind. It kept dropping. And I, mm. <clears throat> right. I, I wasn't really angry with him, but you, you see the, it wasn't because he was being a jerk. Anecdotes were more interesting for him to share. Mm. Yeah. So I heard about the guy at the grocery store <laughs> and not the, here's some information Tamara should know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of times when couples talk about just like the basic communication, it's helping the other person. I'm going to get to all the details. If you could ho- ho- please hold your questions to the end. Um, we kind of use that tone of voice, like to please hold your questions, um, kind of a, in a pretend mocking yeah. tone, like mm-hmm. please hold your questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that we do, and I don't know if you know this, but ADHD people will literally get up and during a conversation and leave. Yeah. I love doing not that. knowing a conversation's really over or it's still in the middle. I yeah, I do it knowing it's still in the middle, but I'm gonna be listening as I walk away down the hall to my room to do this thing I have to do, you know. And it's like I don't really pay attention to how it affects other people. I'm assuming some people don't like it, but I haven't gotten that feedback. So yeah, it's just like <laughs> I know that the conversation's still happening, but I'm still gonna like get up and like go do this thing. I wonder, you've been working in this field for a long time, so I wonder if maybe you don't have this experience, but I have this experience where I'll talk to someone about ADHD and they might be like, yeah, but like, aren't we all kind of ADHD now? Like we're all on our phones. It's making us all ADD. And, but, but I do have this part of me that is like, well, maybe they're right. (laughs) You know, even though I know they're wrong, um, and it, I have like a shame response to it. Um, how do you, are you able to meet that like without being reactive? I, (laughs) well, um, yes, but only because I've matured. So my first thought, are you freaking kidding me? Try walking around with my ADHD brain and tell me it'd be like seeing someone using a prosthetic leg and go, yeah, but don't we all kind of have a prosthetic leg? No, the answer is no. But um, because I want to grow up to be a gracious person. Uh, instead, I say, you know, I know that some people think that, but we can see on fMRIs the different that different brains process differently. And so it's really important to know that those with ADHD, we're not dumb, but we're this part of the brain, I just kind of say, we don't have reliable access. So we process differently. And that's the key. It's not ADHD. Isn't about distraction. It's about it's a processing issue. And so that usually, it usually invites them to ask more questions. Sure, that's really helpful language. But yes, I first my first response is offended. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it's like a really unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. It's always it's also so like like over overplayed or something too, yeah. where people are like, of course we have ADHD, like you know, stimulants make you have ADHD if you take Adderall or like if you look at your phone too much, right. like you're going to have it. And it's like, no. 
Well, we really recommend your previous book, Your Brain's Not Broken, and we really look forward to the one you're working on. Um, is there any, are there any resources or people out there online or whatever that you would point people to that you really have benefited from? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, in November, there's going to be the International Conference on ADHD. And I'm really excited. Um, I'm one of the, the planners, but I'm really excited because there is also going to be an online version, which means your listeners don't have to fly to Baltimore to go to a conference. You can get this great information for, from really world-renowned speakers. And so I, we're really proud of the lineup there. So if you look at International Conference on ADHD, um, I don't think registration's up yet. It won't be for another couple of weeks, but it is in November. So um, I think that is probably a great place to start because you can hear so many people at once. I really like Attitude Magazine um, because a lot of um, really good writers, good speakers um, are um, being highlighted there. Awesome. Great. I feel like we could talk to you all day and we'll just probably have to have you back if you want to come back um, at some point. Any time. You guys <laughs> are delightful. And that's our show. Thanks for joining us. Our music is by Nightlight. We self-produce this podcast, so please subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps. <laughs>